today we're going to look at the big picture, and we're going to look at the idea of suffering, the idea of suffering uh, it, with humanity, and, and that, that, that question of, God, uh, why? Why would you allow suffering? Why, why is, there, is there any point to this? Is there any, uh, you know, are you doing anything about this? And I think today we're going to see from John's perspective, heaven's perspective of suffering, and that there is great value in it and that God actually is doing something. And we're going to see in the end, it ends in rejoicing and it ends in praise. And so we're going to see that today. So Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you, God, for this wonderful book the book of uh, the Bible, and then the book of Revelation. And Lord, we just pray that you would just open this up to us, God, I pray, beginning with me and going out. And Lord, that you would just break the bread of your word, God, and that you would feed multitudes, God. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and change our lives. I pray, God, that you would just uh, draw us closer to you, help us to come uh, out of this uh, edified and strengthened today, God. Pray for our nation, God, a nation that uh, God was uh, uh, raised up to be, God, by uh, uh, 103 or some odd pilgrims that came to this land, God, and they made a a compact with you, God, of what kind of government this would be, God, a government that would, uh, a people that would, would, would covenant with God and they would take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And Lord, what, a, what an amazing country. What an, what an amazing uh, journey, this nation. What, what, what amazing feats this nation has accomplished uh, in, in so few years, God. Uh, and, and Lord, but we, we have, we have uh, come to a place where we desperately need an awakening. We desperately, it's not the first time we've needed an awakening. It's not the first time we've made mistakes in this nation. But God, we've always, in times past, turned back to you, God, and you've, you've helped us. And Father, it's just my, my, my uh, dire prayer that we would awaken in this nation one more time, that we would, that we would recognize, God, what those founders, God, what, what those, those initial founders who, who, who signed that declaration, 52 or some odd uh, number of, of, of men that, that risked their lives, God, to, 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 I saw one in Augusta, Georgia, buried there. God, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence just a couple of days ago, a man sat there and told Marcy, that guy risked his entire everything for, for what we have here, God, not knowing if, if they were going to lose everything, even their lives, God, to, to, to come to a place uh, that uh, where we would we would we would uh, in seventy six how seventeen seventy six uh, find our independence God and and come out from under tyranny and Lord forge forward with a land God that was uh, Judeo Christian in values a, a group of people that that Lord looked at all types of forms of government. And, and, and that they had been under and been in and came down to the conclusion that the best form of government until we are in Christ's uh, uh, kingdom uh, completely, where Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords on this earth and in heaven, God, that until that day, they came to the conclusion that it is a constitutional republic that would be the best form of government. And it would be a great government, they said, if you can keep it. And God, I'm so at a place where my heart is so heavy that we are almost at the place where I don't know if we can keep it. But dear God, if we can, it will be by your grace. And God, so we in this church turn to the Almighty and say, God, help us. 
Help us now. Help us in this nation, God. On this 4th of July, God, help us to turn back to you, God. And Lord, help us to be able to keep this republic a little bit longer, God. Lord, we love you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Revelation. We're going to talk about today the seals of victory. We started last, last couple of weeks ago, whenever, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, we, we looked at Revelation 5, 4 and 5, and we went into the throne room of heaven, and we saw this... Uh, we saw after he had sent these letters to the churches, we saw that uh, there was uh, no one in heaven that could take this scroll that was coming out of the hand of the Father until one emerged, Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah. He, he, he went in and took the scroll, and, uh, and, and when John saw him, he looked like a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. And so now we have this place we're coming to in chapter 6 and chapter 7 where the one who took this scroll is about ready to unleash the seals on this scroll. And it's about to, it's about to set things in motion in this earth like we've never seen before. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be quite interesting. And that's why we're talking about today this idea of suffering. Why do we suffer? Why do we go through suffering? Does God care about our, our suffering? Has, ha, has he lost control? Have things got out of God's control and now is spinning out of control and he never meant for it to get to this place of suffering and, and, and where it's at today? Because that's how some people would like to think. Uh, it, 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 he must have lost control because surely he wouldn't allow all this. So what's really going on in the suffering? And so we're going to look at that today. We're going we're gonna to look at... Uh, at this place where we, we see exactly from John's perspective of being caught into heaven, into the throne room, and seeing why God allows this suffering. And here's the deal. Believers and unbelievers alike suffer. Because here's what I think most people, or what I thought a misconception in Christianity for many, many years, I thought, when I come, Daniel, to Christ, it's paradise, baby. Everything is going to be good. My life's rotten right now. And when I give my life to Christ, he's going to straighten it out and I'll never have another problem. I'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And everything will be good and there'll never be another problem. Well, that was such a lie that had come out of a lot of, uh, of American gospel uh, that is no gospel at all. And I quickly found out that, hey, Brad, there is still suffering for the believer. That unbelievers suffer and believers suffer side by side at different times. But there's something going on in both of them that God is trying to accomplish. And suffering does not distract. It actually matures the believer. It actually transforms the believer. It actually conforms the believer into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And here's something else that suffering does. It shows who are His. No, I want you to really get that. Because that's where we're going to get to the throne room at the end here. And we're going to find out when they're all praising God, we're going to find out He is going to reveal His. And suffering has revealed the difference between the holy and the profane. Those who are His and those who are not. And, and, and He identifies His people 
in and through suffering. And so John will show what is really happening behind the scenes of this suffering. And that's what we're going in today to the book of Revelation to see. Is what it means to suffer. And, and then at the end, blessing comes to those. It feels like a long time before we get there. Go to the next slide because it feels like a long time. Here's what we're kind of looking at. We said these seven hooks each week we're looking at. And we're looking at different ones of these. Today we're looking at the nature of the book, the apocalypse. He's going to reveal something about about suffering today, but also the recipients of that are us. It's the son has suffered and his body is suffering. We saw one last week who was slain and today you're going to see some others who have been slain like their master. They also have been slain for the word of God. They have suffered desperately, even the cost of their lives, some of them, for the Word of God. But here's what's so good about it. In the end, when we get to the end, when we get to the very end, hold on a little bit longer, saints of God. See, you've been bought a lie of kingdom now that we're supposed to have it all here and now. No, it's coming. It's coming. And in the very end is the promise of blessing. Not, that, not necessarily now. I mean, we're blessed now. But I'm going to tell you what. The real blessing is coming in the end. And you're going to see that in a little bit later today from heaven's perspective of how we're, there's suffering going on, unbelievers, believers. And then in the end, we're coming down to blessing. God is going to bless His children. He's going to wipe every tear away from our eyes and there is something great that is revealed. It, suffering reveals his greatness. It reveals something about him and it's going to show some things about him. So what's happening behind the scenes? John shows us some of these things in the word of God here and you're going to see in the end the blessing. And in the Old Testament I want you to see this before we hit the seals here in Revelation, but I want you to see something. In the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, both of them, we see this difference of God having righteous people and unrighteous people both going through suffering and how that's going to reveal real faith, genuine faith, and not so genuine faith. It's going to reveal something at the end uh, of the blessing. It's going to show those that are his and that are blessed by God. So in Malachi, we see something very interesting about these two types of people going through the world. Look at what it says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. This is what he's after. This is what he's trying to create right here. This is what this suffering is going to help produce in the people of God, like a good fine jewel being put into a refiner's fire. And then he says, then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between the ones who serve God and who do not serve God. I'm here to tell you today, if you're a believer, you're going to suffer. And if you're not a believer, you're going to suffer. I'd rather suffer with God. Because you're going to find out. Because what, what happens in, uh, to these? How, how, how will he distinguish them out? Go to the next verse. Before, before, here's how he'll do it. Here's how he's going to distinguish the two groups. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. You don't know God? 
Let me tell you what it's going to produce in you and what it's going to reveal. The, 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 the suffering and the fire is going to make you into chaff and stubble. But the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Look at what it goes on to say. But for you, say me. For you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves out of the stall. Have you ever seen some of you who, uh, I know Sonny has. Come on, that little calf you let out of the stall. Woo, it's bucking everywhere. It's so happy. The other ones that are not, the ones that are not like a new calf in the stall, they're burnt to chaff. But those who have come and have genuine faith, when the suffering gives way, folks, I'm here to tell is producing something like a young calf that is leaping and praising and jumping and, and, and just producing something of Christ's likeness. And that's how he shows this distinction. One group will wither and the other will bounce everywhere. Like a bunch of Pentecostals acting a fool in church, right? Come on. And that's the difference between the two. Not just shown, it's not just shown in the Old Testament like that. It's shown in the New Testament. In 1 Peter, look at what it says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, which He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable. This is what he's doing in you, folks. Undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by what? Suffering in various trials. So that he's got to test us. You got to know if you're real or not. You got to know if you're going to wither or if you're going to leap for joy. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire and suffering, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This God of ours has begun something, Philippians 1, 6 says, and he will carry it on to completion till the coming of Jesus Christ. He won't quit until he finishes what he started, the Bible says. So God is not afraid to bring trial on both groups. Okay? He's not afraid to bring trial upon you, and he's not afraid to be, bring trial upon the unbeliever to reveal who we are. That's what he's going to do. At the end, he's going to show who he, are his, and he is going to show who is not his. And one great place that runs really kind of cool and parallel with, with Revelation 6 that we're about to get to, but is the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. They run really kind of cool side by side here because the disciples, they're trying to understand when is Jesus come, coming back? And he begins to talk about much suffering in this. And here's what he says. Jesus says, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many people astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you be not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes in various places. 
take note of these things as you see some of these seals being unloosed and see the parallels here of what's going on. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of the birth pains. They will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Do you still want to serve Jesus? Amen, that's the good altar call right there. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be abound or increase, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures till the end will be saved. Those two groups. These who endure under this pressure to the end will be saved. Through this suffering, the, the whole world will see and start to know Jesus. Because listen to what it says. God's got a purpose in this suffering. He's advancing the gospel in this suffering. Because listen to what he says. And this kingdom of the gospel will be preached throughout all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Through this suffering, the whole world will start to know and talk about Jesus. And the people John is writing to are facing much of this kind of difficulty. And in chapter 6, we saw last week in chapter 5, Jesus reaches out and takes this scroll. And, and, and here we go in this place where he, the Lamb begins to open the scroll here. And he begins to bring something unique upon the earth. This suffering upon the earth like, like, uh, that, that begins to happen. Look at Revelation 6.1. And look what he says. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like, uh, like thunder, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given him to, uh, and he came to conquering and he came to conquer. That, uh, there's, there's different groups that look at this and I'm just telling you this for uh, whatever reason. It's just so that you'll know and understand because you're going to say when I hear it because I know what your bent is probably because it's my bent and when I tell you these three different groups you're probably going to be like who could believe that but when you hear some of the names of the people who believe this you're going to be quite surprised because there's some pretty amazing people that believed all three of these different views in the book of Revelation but there's different groups that look at this passage and these passages at different ways one is the, that the event has already happened there's a group of people that look at, that, at this event like it has already happened People like R.C. Sproul, who's an who's a, a amazing guy. The, 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 I'll give you one. Well, maybe you can debate that. What about a man named Jonathan Edwards? Jonathan Edwards believed this view. And, and, and so there have been great people of God that believe this view and this event has already happened. No, number two, there's a group of people that believes this event is going on right now. You say, well, my goodness, who is that group of people? Well, the reformers, many of the reformers who we look up to, the Puritans and the reformers, a lot of them fell into this view and believe that, that, that uh, this, is, this began back when and it's been going on and it's not necessarily a set number of years. It's going 
going on all throughout the history, and it will culminate at a certain point at the end. And then there's the third group, that which is my group and, and probably your group, is the event is coming in the future where most uh, a lot of people fall. But, but regardless of which group you fall out, we're going to draw some principles out of here that are going to help us understand and see suffering for what it is. Suffering shapes and molds and transforms our lives. It reveals who we are. Jesus is put on display through it. And, and at the end, there comes praise and glory to Almighty God through it. And so we, we're going to see that. We know that, that, that uh, this white horse, Jesus unleashes the scroll. And all of a sudden, we see this white horse that appears on the scene. And, and, and uh, it, it rep- is represented by one who has come to deceive. Who has come to deceive. He has a false peace, the Bible says. He, he's coming with this false peace. He's coming to deceive. He's coming to uh, seeking to conquer and uh, to, to, uh, to, to uh, conquer, the Bible says. But yet he's doing it so subtly and deceptively through peace. And that's exactly what the world comes and does to us. It says, go at my way, go our way, and in the end you'll have peace. Do it our way and you'll have peace. Uh, we, we offer you peace, but the Bible tells us that the way the world offers, and we've seen from history that the way that the world offers, they offer us a peace, but it really is no peace at all. As you travel down that path, it becomes a path of destruction. And that's what this white ho- horse represents. Its rider is this, this coming one who says, I'm going to give you peace, follow me. But all of a sudden, he's really coming to conquer you and to, and to, uh, uh, to lead you off the path into a, a world without God. We, we see particular systems that do this. We have seen throughout history, Rome, for instance, that did this. They wanted to offer Pax Romona. If you come and follow the way of Rome, you will have peace. But we find out real quickly, they were bludgeoning people at the edge of the sword. They crucified our, our Messiah and they treated the Jews and other people horribly. We also see a man that came on the scene at one time and said, follow me. You may not have known this was the way he came onto the scene, but a man by the name of Adolf Hitler promised financial peace. He promised economic peace. He promised security and peace. But in the end, we know that six million Jews found themselves in gas ovens. And we know the result of this madman who offered peace. He came deceptively like this rider of this white horse offering, follow me and I will give you peace. But he's actually seeking to conquer and and to conquer. We also see in the 20th century communism and we're seeing it now rise up in our own nation. Follow us. Follow us young people. Come on. We will give you peace. We're a rider on a white horse. We don't have bows and we don't have we don't have arrows in our hand. Look, come our way. We've got peace, but we know exactly what happened in Russia. We know the hell that people went through in the Soviet Union. I've been to Moldova. I've been to Romania. I've seen the results of this horrible, horrific promise that was promised to peace. And in the end, it leads to destruction. 
And I'll show you in a minute as you unloose the riders at what it really leads to. It starts off by saying, come, come, we'll give you peace. And I'll show you as you go the world's way or you go your own way apart from God, I can figure this thing out. I can do it. I'll go this way. And we find out real quick the mess humanity finds itself in as they travel this course and go down this path. If we just had Republicans or we just had Democrats in office, then everything would be all right and we would have a peace. Uh, United States again. You heard that one? In your own thinking? There will not be great and wonderful peace until Jesus comes back. Until he comes back. And, and, and so that's when we're going to see this lasting peace. The next rider, as Jesus opens the second seal, is a red horse. And after you see this one that comes and promises this peace, but yet he's secretly conquering and to conquer, then we see the red horse that takes peace from the earth. He really is coming to take your peace and to take peace in the earth. Why we're in the world would God allow this? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if you want it, humanity, bad enough, eventually I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you want and what you... And so peace for a while. Peace, peace. What is the world saying to us now? Put your weapons down. Quit fighting. Do this. Come and take our money. Do all of these things. Peace, peace. But at the end, sudden destruction comes on them as a woman travailing in labor, right? That's what it, that's what it, you keep going down this road of the world's peace. It's going to lead you into war. I can promise you because the Bible says here that this one, this other rider in verse, uh, uh, verse, Six and three, it says, when he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, come. And, an- and out of the uh, came another horse, bright red. And its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people would slay one another and was given a great sword. And it's like a dagger. It's war of all kinds of types. Wars and rumors of wars. It's, it's, it's war of all. It's, it's, it's pattern and it's happened all since the beginning of time. The world promises and offers peace. Come to the peace table. Come to the peace treaty and we'll give you peace. And they promise you peace, but very quickly you're going to see the dagger come out and you're going to see the sword come out and you're going to see the fighting just like we saw with Cain and Abel, just like we saw all throughout history. Then we see in verse 5 another one comes when he looses the next seal and it's a black horse and I heard the third living creature say come and I looked and behold a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in its hand And I heard what seemed to be the voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. Now black means famine, hunger, rationing. And and we we see the pictures in World War I of wheelbarrow loads of money coming out of Germany that you couldn't even buy anything with. We've seen this. We've seen this promise of false peace. We've seen this rider coming out on the scene offering this this false peace. And then we see what quickly follows is war and, 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 and taking peace from the earth. And what quickly follows war is we see this, this darkness of death that comes in. 
broken and this famine and this disease that comes out as humanity moves towards this answer of peace and the world offers this. This is where it leads every single time. This is the outcome. And this is exactly where it's going to take us. And eventually we're reduced down where, where every bit of our money it takes just to go buy a little bit of food. And, and when it says barley, we're reduced down to eating animal food. It gets so bad. You want to go the world's way? All that trash they're peddling on your little devices and on your television. This is what they, this, they promise you peace. And this is where they take you to destruction. It's that lie inside of our heads that I can make the world a better place. If we just give, if all the Hollywood people just come with their billions and just give, if Elon Musk just writes a fat check, we can make the world peace, brother, peace. We can make the world, come on, if we can just, we are the world. We are the people. If y'all would just get on with me, we could end world hunger and we'd have peace. If y'all would just get on with me and lay down your weapons and, and get behind all the singers, we could burn our weapons and we'd have peace, right? It's a lie inside of humanity. We're so arrogant. that We're so full of a carnal sin nature. And we just have this thing inside that we could all come together like at the Tower of Babel. Then we could just come together and we could just come together right now. Don't, don't, over me, right? Come on. Come on. I don't act like you're so pious you had never heard that. So humanity believes this lie that we can make the world better place. But this is where the world takes us. This is where it takes us. It offers peace. And then behind it comes in this red horse of destruction. And, and then behind that comes in the famine and the pestilence and the disease. And behind that comes the pale horse. It always leads to death. It always leads to death. When you leave humanity to itself, the end product is always death and destruction. Listen to what it says. Only one way that this thing ends if you go the world's way. Only one way if you're a prodigal and you never come home to the Father. It only leads to death. It only leads to a needle in your arm and you don't make it out because it has fentanyl in it. It only leads to that. It was just one joint and now it's laced with something that makes you go crazy and mad. It only leads to it was just a little flirtation in the office but now my wife's left me and my children and I'm sitting in a room with no furniture. It always leads to destruction and death in the end. Listen to what he says. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with sword and famine and with pestilence and with wild beast. We've seen examples. I know I'm giving you... Listen, remember, we're not taking this... Listen, I believe in the literalness of all this, and I believe in the, all the little details. I'm, I'm, I'm zeroing out and giving you a large picture of, 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 of seeing this. And God is showing what happens when you try to take control of your own life, when you try to go His way, at how it quickly spins out of control. But then you come to verse 9, and we see a different group of 
people. When he opens the fifth seal, look at what it says. He sees a faithful people. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the witness they had borne. All of a sudden now, we're getting a picture from heaven's perspective. Come up here, John, and let me show you something, what this suffering is going to lead to. Yeah, it's going to lead to these four horsemen going out and suffering like you've never seen coming on the face of the earth. But I got good news for you. Come up here and look at the fifth seal because I'm in control of all of this and I've got these faithful ones that are going to, this suffering's going to produce something in them and I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have the people of God and that's exactly what he's producing right here. Look at what he says. And that this is the, in the ninth one when he opened the fifth, ninth verse, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls that had been slain for the word of God and the witness that they had borne. He takes them, he takes John into heaven, he shows them people that have been slain like the Lamb of God who we saw slain and they are asking some questions. It's very interesting. They're around the throne and they're asking the same questions we're asking. Why are you letting this continue to go on? Why are you letting, they call him holy and just, holy, holy and true. That means they're saying in essence, you're just. Why are you letting this still go on? They're around the throne and they're asking this. Why are you letting this still happen? What is going on in this suffering? We know you're good. We know you're true. We know you're holy. We know you're just. And, and, and they're, they're asking these questions and all of a sudden he gives them these right, white robes. He says, I've vindicated you. Don't worry. You're all right. You're okay. These white robes are for you. And hold on. Wait just a little bit because I'm about to do something. Just give me just quite a bit of a second. It's like we're going on a trip and the kids in the back seat. I didn't have to do that this time. Where are we almost there yet? Which my boys were pretty chill when we were growing up. But just, just go along with me. Maybe they said, are we almost there that yet, Daddy? Yeah, we're almost there. And a few seconds later, are we almost there yet, Daddy? Oh, yeah, a few more minutes. Are we almost there, Daddy? We've only been three more miles down the road. That's kind of what's taking place here. Or when are you going to do something about the suffering? Hold on, we're almost there. Well, Daddy, when are you going to do something? Or do you not see the slain under the altar? They're piling up. They're piling up in an even a greater way. I'm doing something about it. Hold on. Hold tight. Wait. 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 Wait just a little bit longer. And then he shows them there that he is his. And he says, rest a little bit longer. Rest just a little bit more. Wait, we're almost there. We're almost to our destination. I've got this. Take your white robe. You're, 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 you're born again. You're saved. Everything's good. And then look at what he says. When he pulls back the sixth seal, it says this. And when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. Remember Matthew 24? There'll be great earthquakes. There'll be all these things. And the sun became as sackcloth and full moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit. When it is shaken by the gale, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. The kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks and the mountains calling the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of the wrath has come, and who can stand?
Who can stand? Now, here's the deal. He tells them, wait. But he's saying, I'm eventually going to punish these people. I'm, I'm eventually going to punish this other group. I, I, I'm not, and they're going to be begging for more than the rocks to fall on them because there is a lake of fire. There is a place that they are going eternally that is prepared for them. And there is serious consequence. And hear me, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're just thinking about this thing, maybe I'll sow my wild oats and one day I'll get right. Listen to me. The consequences of your rebellion are very dangerous and they will come to an end and the end of them is found in the lake of fire. Wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction and many there be that find it. And so today he is saying today while you still can breathe, while there's still breath in your body, while I'm still knocking on the door, while you're still hearing the gospel preach, while the spirit of God is still moving and striving with men, today is the day to seek repentance. And so he's opened that sixth seal and the great earthquakes and the mountains are crumbling and everything is happening. And all of a sudden, man, we come to chapter seven and it's as if the dust is beginning to settle for just a moment. No, this is cool. Hang with me a little bit longer. I know I'm a little long today, but I was on vacation, so I got a lot in me. Next week, I'll be tired again. The dust settles. And, 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 and it, it's kind of like that. The four horsemen have come. The whole world's suffering. And, and he watches as God brings punishment, John does, on the world. And then look at verse 7, because this is cool. Verse 7, chapter 7 and verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. The same people that had the power to destroy also were under the control of God to hold back destruction and hold things back. And all of a sudden, they're commanded by God, wait a minute, let the dust settle, and I want you to hold everything back at the four corners of the earth that no wind might blow upon the earth. In other words, everything gets held back for a moment. The dust settles, then verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with a seal of the living God. And he called out with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and the sea. Saying, don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees. Do you see how powerful your God is? He can say, let it happen. And he can say, stop it in a moment. The winds and seas obey his voice. The judgments and the torments and the wrath obey his voice. Until we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Ah, just let me dance a minute. Because you'll get it in a little while. I'm declaring just who are mine. No, this is awesome. He said, I have been having, 
I, I've been working a plan that I was going to have a people from the foundation of the world. It started all the way back with Adam, with Noah, with Moses, with Abraham. It started all the way back, went all the way through the New Testament. It's still going. These are mine. Nothing can touch these. I have prepared a people for myself. These are mine. Hold back the destruction. Hold everything back. Mark them. Seal them. I will get everything that is mine. Amen. I declare who are mine and who are not. And then look what he says. What happens next? And I heard the number of those that were sealed. 144,000 sealed from every tribe and sons of Israel. And he got 12,000 from this side. 12,000 from that tribe. 12,000 from that tribe. 12,000 from all of the tribes. And folks, I know what this is. Don't write me a letter. I know it's the first fruits of the Jews. But in some way it represents the gathering of all the people of God from all time. Throughout all the ages. Being marked. No longer for destruction, but sealed with the seal of Almighty God. That's what we said. We're looking at a big picture. God is making a people. He is doing it through suffering. It has come to this point at the end. He knows who it is. They are marked with the seal of God. And He is making sure that all of His are in. That it is complete. That it is full. And when everything is said and done. And when all is left, the people too belong to God are sealed. And they are there around the throne. Amen? Amen. Woo! And God, what God said He would do, He has now done. I will have a people for myself. I will sprinkle them clean. They will be Jew and they will be Gentile. And I will take them and I will sprinkle them clean and I will take out the stony heart and I'll put in them a new heart. I'll put in them a new mind. I'll put in them a new spirit. I'll write the laws on their hearts. They'll walk in my statutes. They'll they'll know my ways. And look at what John goes on to say. After this, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're all clothed in white robes. They have palm branches of victory in their hands and they're crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne, the elders, the living creatures and they fell on their faces and they worshiped God saying amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever what he said he would do he has now done he was going to create a people he has created a people we are his and we are worshiping him hallelujah and the elders said in verse 13 Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of great tribulation. They have washed their their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the ones who have come to know their Savior is what we would say in a broad view. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what God said... He was going to accomplish. He has accomplished. Oh God. What God said he was going to accomplish. He has accomplished. And all suffering leads to here. Around the throne. 
worshiping with victory palm branches. He is salvation belongs to you, God. Glory and honor and power and might and majesty and praise be unto our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. Thank you that in suffering, sometimes you need to correct us. Sometimes you need to uh, shape us into the image of your son. Oh, God. But thank you that all the conclusion of it leads us to a particular point where we're standing at the throne and we're marveling. We're marveling. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. My faith has ended in sight. It was genuine. It was real. And He has completed my faith. And now look at, look at us. Look at us. He, he has unveiled the tapestry. I couldn't see it while He was weaving it all together. The suffering, the back surgeries, the, the, the torment, the children, the layoffs. I couldn't see what the suffering was producing. It was a mess. It looked like a jumbled mess. But now, it, like, like, like Corey Tim Boom mentioned another others that he's he's he we're looking at the wrong side of the tapestry when he flips it over it's beautiful and we've seen what all this has done in our lives to bring us to this end and this point and it is glorifying God hallelujah hallelujah glory to the lamb and we're going to be amazed at that God hallelujah and that's the vantage point I hope today that we began to look at this world from not our own but from heaven's vantage point God Hallelujah. I know these things are future. I know that it's going to get worse and worse. I understand all that. But God, I believe we can see the big picture here of what's been taking place on this earth. God, from a long period of time and where, where, where trust and faith in this world leads, it leads to destruction. But God, you're forming in all of this. God, you're forming a people. A people. And that's where the end of our suffering is going to lead. Around the throne. Around the throne. Singing praising, worshiping, and rejoicing our King and our God. He has saved us. He has saved us with His mighty hand. He has redeemed us. His arm is not so short and so slack that it cannot save us. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God.